This episode of Listen Up Ladies is sponsored by The Butterfly Maternity Pillow, an Australian brand supporting quality night's sleep designed by mums for mums-to-be. Thank you, The Butterfly Maternity Pillow, for making this episode of Listen Up Ladies possible. Welcome to the Listen Up Ladies podcast, where we talk all things pelvic floor, pain with sex, bladder leakage, and everything in between. My name is Rachel Fitt. And my name is Sarah Anderson, and we are pelvic health physiotherapists in Australia who both share the same passion when it comes to giving you the right information that is backed by scientific evidence on all things women's health. Please note this content is general in nature and should not be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Welcome back to the Listen Up Ladies podcast. We are so excited for you to listen to today's guest, Stephanie Miller, or otherwise known as Steph Claire Smith. Steph shares with us her pregnancy journey and how she has navigated exercise. But firstly, Sarah and I wanted to talk to you about the current exercise recommendations for pregnancy. So RANSCOG is the organisation that oversees all the current recommendations in terms of guidelines for exercise in pregnancy. They currently have recommended that exercise in pregnancy is very safe in a healthy, uncomplicated pregnancy. For those of you who have a complicated pregnancy, speaking with your health professional is recommended for exercise clearance. It is currently recommended that it is safe to engage in strenuous exercise 80 to 90% of your max heart rate for up to 35 minutes in 25 degrees Celsius temperature in 45% humidity in the first trimester. So ladies, if it's a hot day and it's over 25 degrees Celsius and it is humid, do vigorous exercise at the coolest part of your day. It is currently recommended that you don't do any exercise lying on your back after the first trimester. So from 12 weeks onwards, modify your exercise routine surrounding this. When exercising, you should perform exercise at an intensity where you can hold a whole conversation. This applies to all forms of exercise. Most pelvic floor physios will recommend avoiding high impact cardio exercise after 20 weeks gestation, so halfway through your pregnancy. We have no research on how high impact exercise affects your connective tissue. Exercising in pregnancy is safe and has been shown in research to have amazing benefits within pregnancy, birth and beyond. If you are unsure about what you should be doing or are concerned about exercise in pregnancy, please seek medical advice from a qualified, trained health professional. There are some certain absolute contraindications to exercise, meaning you cannot exercise in pregnancy if you have the following conditions. So these include hemodynamically significant heart disease, restrictive lung disease, incompetent cervix or cerclage, multiple gestation at risk for a premature labour, persistent second or third trimester bleeding, placenta previa after 26 weeks gestation, premature labour during the current pregnancy, ruptured membranes, or pregnancy-induced hypertension. There are also some relative contraindications to aerobic exercise during pregnancy, meaning you need medical clearance from your obstetric healthcare provider to exercise. These include severe anemia, unevaluated maternal cardiac arrhythmia, chronic bronchitis, poorly controlled type 1 diabetes, extreme morbid obesity, extreme underweight with a body mass index of less than 12, history of extremely sedentary lifestyle, 
interuterine growth restriction in current pregnancy, poorly controlled hypertension or preeclampsia, orthopedic limitations, poorly controlled seizure disorder, poorly controlled thyroid disease, and heavy smoker. If you experience any of the following warning signs now, then you should terminate exercise whilst pregnant and seek medical advice. So these things include things like vaginal bleeding, shortness of breath before exertion, dizziness, headaches, chest pain, muscle weakness, calf pain or swelling, preterm labor, decreased fetal movement and amniotic fluid leakage. So moving on now and introducing today's guest, we are so excited to welcome Steph to our podcast. Stephanie Miller is an entrepreneur, model, and the co-founder of successful businesses, including Keep It Cleaner and Soda Shades. Steph and her co-founder from Keep It Cleaner, Laura Henshaw, have motivated thousands of women across the world to live healthy, active lifestyles. Steph has used her social media platforms to positively influence her 1.5 million followers to practice gratitude, body confidence, and healthy living. She's one of the most influential names in the Australian health and wellness space. Steph started her career out as an international model before it dawned on her that there was an opportunity to embrace all body shapes and sizes and promote body positivity. Steph, at only 27 years old, has accomplished so much, but her biggest achievement is yet to come. Steph is currently expecting her firstborn and today shares how she has maintained her healthy and active lifestyle through her pregnancy so far. Here's Steph. Steph, welcome to the Listen Up Ladies podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Can you start off by telling us three facts about yourself that we may not already know? Well, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I can't promise you that you won't know them though because <laughs> some of them are my, are my go-tos. But um, one would be that I have a fear of the ocean, which some people do know, some people don't know. Um, I've heard you say that before. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people get surprised by that because um, when I was modelling, I was obviously modelling a lot at the beach and in the ocean and stuff like that. But um, I've actually had a few panic attacks on shoots before because I've been freaked out so much. I just don't like... Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, deep blue ocean water or waves. So, like, if you take me to the Maldives or I go down to the beach on a day where there's not many waves, I'm happy to get in the water. Um, but I won't go very far. <laughs> just... There you go. There you go. Is it like the unknown of the ocean or... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't grow up going to the beach much. I grew up going to the river a lot, which is actually another fact of mine is that my favorite place in the entire world is the Murray River. So um, I think that's got a lot to do with it. You know, I used to take a lot of girlfriends down to the Murray with me and they were kind of beach babies and they'd be scared to get in the river because it was brown you know and like, <laughs> I feel like a snake touches my leg every time something comes near me that'd be so like me as well I'd be so scared yeah exactly exactly so I think it's just what you know um yeah and then third fact would be that I used to do a lot of horse riding so I was very close to owning one but I'm glad I didn't because I got straight into modeling and I just became way too busy and would have um the poor thing wouldn't have had enough attention but I, I loved it during high school I rode almost every weekend and um, I did equine studies and everything and wow. yeah, I just wow, think that's really cool an incredible animal yeah. yeah and then life just got in the way right and that brings us to our next question so Steph can you just tell us a bit about yourself and so how you got to where you are today as a very successful entrepreneur and all-round <laughs> fitness lover oh thank you um yeah so I grew up here in Melbourne 
went to high school. Um, I was a very confident person, always loved my sports, um, had a very balanced relationship with exercise as a kid. I didn't really ever think of dieting or anything like that. And I'm, you know, I was fortunate. I was a, a little lean bean. I didn't really like hit puberty till later. And for me, it was just about playing in team sports and um, doing my best. It was never about exercising for aesthetic reasons. Um, and when I say I had a balanced relationship with food as well, um, a lot of my friends used to joke with me and say, oh, one day, one day this is all going to creep up on you because <laughs> I, I loved junk food like growing up. I absolutely loved it. And I was that um, kid that everyone envied with the lunchbox with Smith's chips and everything in it. So, um, yeah, I had a very balanced relationship growing up. And I, and I look back at that and I'm really grateful to my parents because neither of them ever really spoke of exercise or food in a way of like dieting or you know something you need to do for the way you look it was always about getting out there and enjoying yourself and um i really appreciate that because i know a lot of young women particularly you know look up to their mums and my mum never ever you know showed her insecurities or body image issues or anything to me until i was a lot older um and so it was nice to grow up without kind of looking up to someone doing that all the time because i know that can be hard um so yeah, I had a really great relationship with food and exercise growing up and then um, always wanted to get into modeling. It was like a dream of mine since I can remember. I think when I was even younger, I was pretty into dancing and singing too, but I wasn't really that great at either of those things. <laughs> um, so modeling was the next best thing and I got into it. I did little bits on the side just, you know, in high school, um, nothing major. And then I got signed with my agency who I'm still with today. Um, pretty much straight after I graduated, I decided to take a gap year because I had too many interests. You know, I wanted to be a PE teacher, I wanted to work with animals, um, and then there was modeling and none of them really lined up. So I decided to have a gap year and give modeling a go while I spoke to others about what they were studying and tried to figure out if I was gonna jump into TAFE or uni after that. But I fell in love with modeling and um, really enjoyed it and was really lucky to pick up some regular work. So stuck with that for a while, didn't end up going to uni and modeling really opened up a lot of doors for me. Um, you know, working with a lot of different clients, I learned a lot um, in the industry and I met Laura, who's now my business partner. Mm. Um, and so I'm, I'm really grateful to that and to that journey. But um, it also taught me a lot because I went through, I suppose, a shitty period. Excuse me if I'm not allowed to swear on this podcast. No, no, um, <laughs> Um, with food and exercise, as I said earlier, I had a really good relationship with it growing up, but when I started modeling and my social media started growing, um, suddenly I had this whole new pressure on myself aesthetically and, um, yeah, I let external pressures kind of get to me and it really played with my confidence and that affected my relationship with food and exercise hugely. And so I was in a really bad place for a while. Um, I fell into a pattern of binge eating, um, over-exercising um, and just being obs obsessive with it all and, and um, never really feeling happy and content in my own skin, which was really scary for me because I'd always grown up pretty happy with, I mean, like, you know, the funny thing is growing up, I had this, you know, strong core stomach and all I wanted was like a you know either J-Lo or um Shakira kind of hips and you know that sort of thing so <laughs> don't we all um, yeah yeah exactly so I just found it 
funny how, you know, when I was younger, I wanted this other thing because I didn't have it. And then as I grew older, um, I wanted something else because I didn't have it. And it's like the grass is always greener and you, you kind of lose track and forget to appreciate what you do have. Anyway, so I was, I was lost for a little bit in the modeling industry. Um, and it really wasn't until I started chatting about it openly that I realized how many other people kind of were going through that, regardless of being in the industry or not. Um, and especially one of those people being Laura. And we both related to each other a lot on what we were both going through at that time. She'd done some modeling overseas and, and so had I, and that's kind of when it turned into a bit of an extreme. Um, and that was kind of the biggest motivator behind us launching our business today, which is Keep It Cleaner, um, because we just felt like at the time, especially over social media, the kind of things that were being pushed in the fitness and health industry were that like fad diet, you know, mm. quick fix, um, lose weight kind of messaging. And it was quite damaging to both of us. And so we could only imagine that it was damaging to others as well. And we kind of just wanted to strip it back to basics um, and yeah, have, have something out there that was um, a little bit more sustainable and um, not as strict and not focused on the aesthetics. And it started with the ebook which was 37 recipes that we made up and had fun with. And um, the ebook was horrible as in like <laughs> when I look back at it, I'm like, oh God, I can't believe we did that. But you know what? It was, um, it was our starting point and it actually went really well. And that's kind of what gave us the confidence to, to then start the journey that got us to where we are today. So that's kind of like a really quick recap of that's it's so funny life. you say that about your ebook because yeah. Rachel and I both have like a pregnancy and postnatal exercise ebook and I feel like personally in like five years time Rachel and I will look back at our ebook <laughs> and be like wow what were we doing like we love yeah. our ebooks but also like right now you know it's the best thing in the world but I think as we progress I think we'll be the exact same we'll look back and be like hmm okay that was yeah. a good starting point but let's progress from here <laughs> it's always the way it is. And I think it's hard because like when you first start something like that's really all you can do. Like unless you're prepared to like invest like a huge like amount of money, like you can't actually do a lot, can you? So it's like that's something to start with and we can just go from there. Yeah, totally. And I mean, we had no idea. We weren't going into it thinking we're going to start this business and it's going to be awesome. Like we just wanted to put some recipes together because we were both asked constantly on social media about what we were eating and um and it was just a bit of fun, like a project on the side. It only turned into a business later on. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. And do you think that the living overseas and not just being in your normal, I suppose, environment and routines was what sparked the um, obsessiveness with the eating and the exercise? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I never felt as much pressure in Australia, not to say that it didn't exist here um, mm. in the industry, but going overseas and, and working with a new agency, um, an agency who didn't really know me um, and didn't really care to know me, to be honest. Mm, um, yeah. Just that was really daunting. And because I was so excited to be over there and I was so keen to make it work, um, I kind of just did anything that they said and believe what they said. And it was only probably six months into my trip over there where I started to feel like I was really losing that part of myself and you know, having to get changed 20 times before I left the house because nothing made me look skinny enough was just that that's just not me. And um, I started to push back a little bit on my agency. And it's funny when I look back at some of those emails now, because I'm really proud that I got to a point of being able to do that. And 
I suppose I, I was very, very lucky that I knew. It's not like I'd left Australia because I didn't have any work here and I'd gone there and that was my last cho- like chance. I really wanted to make it work there, but if it didn't, I could just go back home. My agency was happy with me the way I was and so were all my clients. So I suppose that gave me a bit of confidence to just kind of stand up for myself a little bit. And um, not that it got me any work. I ended up leaving that agency because they just weren't going to stop. Um, but yeah, for a while, I definitely did listen to them and I, I felt the pressure and, um, you know, just, it was crazy. I think back and everyone's like, oh, how was your time there? And I'm like, I didn't actually shoot much. Like literally most days I would, um, yeah, watch what I ate, um, ate way too much of it because I was being so strict on myself that I just wouldn't stop basically thinking like, oh, well, it's healthy. It'll be fine. And then regret it immensely at night. Um, And then try and exercise it off the next day. Like it was just this pattern I was in every single day for such a long time over there. So those kind of habits and everything do stick with you when you you go through something like that. It's not like I came home and it all went away and I felt great. Um, It was easier to get over um, some of those habits because I was around really supportive people. Um, You know, I got back and I was on a Bras and Things set and they were feeding me chocolate. Like it was just... It was great. <laughs> um, just, just, I just didn't feel the same pressures at home, but it still kind of creeps back and you still, I felt that guilt around food for probably a good two years after that at least. And then even today, like I have such a good relationship with my body and with food and exercise now, um, particularly being pregnant. Um, but there's still days where you, it just creeps in and you just get quicker at swatting it away. Mm. And I love how open you are too, Steph. Like, it's amazing how fast you can change and you can go from being this confident, you know, really strong core kind of person and then all of a sudden your confidence is shot down, you're more self-conscious and it's amazing how fast that can happen and so many girls, I feel like they can resonate with you and that's why it's so great that, you know, you're an open book and you're talking about this because it's really important, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And it was um, kind of daunting opening up about it. I remember I think the biggest thing it started with, I did a YouTube video probably five years ago now, um, probably a good year or so after I'd come back from being overseas and opened up about my experience and my kind of relationship with myself at that point. And I was really scared to post it just because I was still full-time modeling at the time. Mm. I I had a lot of young people following me. I really didn't want to do the wrong thing. Um, I haven't watched the video in ages. I I probably do say the wrong thing. You know, we learn a lot. Um, But, um, you know, at the time I just felt like I needed to do it. And from that point, it was, it was just so rewarding. So many people reached out um, and thanked me for being so open, but then, you know, felt like they weren't alone. And that to me was, um, was everything. And so basically since that point, I've just been even more true to myself. I mean, like I've always tried to be myself on social media, but even more so showing the raw sides and being open about how I'm feeling because, um, you know, I just feel like if, if you can, if someone can relate to you and feel a little less alone in what they're going through, then that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that that's what makes both yourself and Laura and Keep It Cleaner so successful because you have that that open book and that community within Keep It Cleaner where you can all motivate each other and share your lows, share your highs. Um, and it's nice to have other people that support you around. Yeah. Oh, the community are the best. They are, they are their own little beasts <laughs> and they're just, we're so proud to, um, I suppose, call that community ours. Um, but 
you know, people are always like, oh, it's because, you know, of you two, but we don't like, we, we just sit back now and they're all just so supportive and encouraging of one another. And they're all going through different walks of life, stages of life. They're all from different parts of the world. And to see and hear what goes on in the community, it just makes us, it makes us really, really proud. Yeah. And you guys should be very proud of yourselves, you know, for actually getting up and running because that can be quite challenging. But Steph, can you talk us through your journey of falling pregnant? So this is sort of a whole new phase now of your of your social media as well too. So did you always want kids? Did you struggle falling pregnant? And I guess what was the first sort of symptom that made you feel like you might be pregnant? Mm. Yes. So I absolutely always wanted kids. Um since I can remember, I always, always wanted to be a young mum as well. And it's actually so weird that as a 27 year old, I'm pregnant because I had always, always said, um, in conversation, like, Oh, I think I'll have kids like when I'm like 27. Oh, <laughs> and so, <there> you <laughs> um, so it's come true. Um, but I just think that for me, I, yeah, I, I've always had this like motherly instinct. I love kids. Um, I just have always been obsessed with the idea of becoming a mum and starting a family. And it was really just that I was really fortunate. You know, my career started early and kind of boomed early um, in modelling. And then I was able to start Keep It Cleaner with Laws. And, um, you know, that's been bloody incredible. And, and you know, I'm still along for the ride for a long time coming with that. Don't worry about that. But um, it's just, I feel like I was so lucky to travel the world and experience so many things and grow up, I suppose, um, in my early 20s to the point where, yeah, I was just ready. I was like so ready to just have a family. Um, and Josh and I were married late 2019 now. Cheese, um, that sounds like ages. Yeah, I was gonna say. Oh my gosh, I remember you posting your photos, and I was like, "This is like the dream wedding." The way you guys planned that wedding, it's literally like on my inspo, like Pinterest, Aww. because it was so beautiful. The way you guys did it, oh, so good. Oh, thank you. I think there's, you know, there's two types of brides. There's one that's so so chill and relaxed, and I mean, I was chill and relaxed, but when it came to planning the wedding, I was so excited and I'd had it like in my mind for so long. I knew what dress I wanted from like 10 years ago. Like, um, so it yeah. was, I loved, I loved watching like your, your highlight reel and like the dresses <laughs> that you wore and like the, oh, it was just the best. And I think a lot of people were really excited to see your, your wedding photos. It was really nice. I mean, um, for me getting married to Josh, like I'd had a crush on him since I was 12. So it was um it was like marrying my one of my best mates and um so we've yeah had a really beautiful relationship and pretty much ever since we got married even before we got married we talked about you know the prospect of having kids and our future and everything obviously but um yeah once we were married it was like this whole new drive (laughs) to want to do it um and last year we were meant to go on our honeymoon um and because of covid didn't um which so not complaining about because so many people have had it way worse off but um when that kind of happened or when we knew that that was going to happen we spoke to each other and we were kind of like because we'd already always said you know when we go overseas for our honeymoon that's when we'll start trying and um we were like well we're not overseas but I don't know when that's going to be able to happen so like let's just start trying anyway try in Melbourne (laughs) (laughs) um and I mean we were really fortunate um that it didn't take us long to get pregnant um it wasn't like straight away, but it was very, very quick. And um, yeah, I suppose 
my first symptom I think was I was due for my period and I was on a run with Laura and we were running and I kept on asking her to slow down. I mean, I would do that anyway because she's a gun. Um, <laughs> but I felt like cramps come on and I thought it was, yeah, period cramps. But I was kind of like, I was thinking in my head, I didn't say it out loud to her. She didn't know I was trying, but I was thinking in my head, like I've been feeling all of these symptoms, like, you know, sore boobs, like cramps and everything. Um for like three days now and my period hasn't come and usually it's it's only kind of the day before and then the next day I, I've got my period um and so I was like this is really weird anyway that was around the time actually that was the day that we launched kick 2.0 so that was when we did the relaunch with all the trainers and everything and it was really exciting and um we had to celebrate with our team kind of lockdown style and so um <laughs> we were like over zoom had a cheese board champagne everything it was really fun um and I was so emotional that day and I was like I thought it was just because it was a lot of hard work and I was just really proud of the team and really excited to have it out but in the middle of that night I remember I was tossing and turning and I couldn't sleep and I was like what is going on with my body um was still kind of getting some of those cramps and decided to take a pregnancy test because I realized on my app that I was a couple of days late. And I went upstairs because I didn't want to wake Josh up. He hadn't been sleeping very well. He goes in and out of um, struggling with insomnia. And so I think he'd even taken a sleeping tablet that night. I was like, he's knocked out. Like, I'm going to go upstairs. Um, took a took a tablet oh my god took a test <laughs> did not take a sleeping dog took a test and found out I was pregnant in our spare bathroom upstairs and I just kind of sat there like what <laughs> couldn't, I, I could not believe it and um and I didn't know what to do because it was like 1 30 in the morning like of course I just thought instantly like do I call my mum do I call Laura? Do I call like, you know, all my best friends started coming to my mind. And then I was like, wait, Josh is downstairs. And then, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, but I don't want to wake him up because he'll be all drowsy. And it just, I don't know. I'll just wait. Yeah. And, um, I was so excited. I have no idea how I got to sleep after that point. Um, but I did. I fell asleep up here in the spare room and went down in the morning, woke him up to go for our walk. And, um, yeah, told him that morning. And it was so special and so nice. And, you know, we then went to the doctors, got the blood test and got it all confirmed and everything like that. But, um, yeah, I, I later learned about, like, the cramps you can feel when implantation and stuff happens and all that. And I was like, oh, so <laughs> it's weird, though, <laughs> how similar all those symptoms that I was getting yeah. are to your pre-period symptoms or your period symptoms. Yeah. So I can see why a lot of people just kind of, don't realize it for a while just think 100%. it's a period I'd yeah. love to know Steph what about so you obviously have a massive following on your social media platforms how did you go in that first <laughs> trimester not telling people like did you have to hide your fatigue like how did you do that yeah it was really hard particularly because we were in um lockdown so I was online a lot um I mean I'm always online a lot but even more so because I felt like really wanted to be there for the community and we we're even doing like our virtual gym and all that sort of stuff um I although we were lucky as well that we were in COVID lockdown because I didn't have you know all the events or traveling that mm -hmm. I would usually have to do um I probably wouldn't have been up to doing that my fatigue was next level in the first trimester so I was really lucky like I could take a 20 minute nap on the couch between meetings if I wanted to and no one knew because <laughs> I was at home um so I was able to kind of keep it quiet even 
within the team and everything for a little while. The one thing that I got really nervous about was um, a few clients that I work with, you know, some things were coming up that had been in the works for like 12 months, um, you know, with people like Adidas and um, I can't actually mention the other thing, but something that's, <laughs> something that's about tell me, to tell launch. Me, tell me. <laughs> um, and I, I just instantly thought like, oh my gosh, um, yeah, like we haven't shot that yet and by the time we're out of lockdown, like I'll probably be showing and and then by the time we launch, I'll, I'll have a baby. Like are they going to be okay with that? And I just started freaking out. Um, my agency was obviously, I told him really early and he was so supportive and he was like, you know, we don't need to tell anyone. It's still really early days, but if you want to and that's going to like, you know, ease your mind, um, let's do it. And I can promise you they are not going to react how you're, you know, picturing. And they were all so beautiful and so supportive and made me feel so good about it. Um, so that was good because, yeah, I, I feel like I've never had anxiety bef- before to the level of what you have in your first trimester about mm. almost everything, like mm-hmm. everything. <laughs> um, yeah. Everything made me so anxious and everything was so unknown. And because I wanted to tell a lot of my girlfriends in person or even, um, you know, family and stuff, I, I I was struggling because there wasn't anyone I could really talk to about things. Um, so it was hard. It was hard being in lockdown and and being in that first trimester, but, um, and it was a whole lot easier when I could just tell people online on Instagram and just, yeah, exactly. Like, (laughs) but, um, no, it was all exciting and I was excited to share it with everyone. Our guidelines recommend that you sleep on your left and right side when pregnant and avoid laying on your back after the first trimester. Only mums know the discomfort of sleeping during pregnancy. Lower back pain, hip discomfort, midnight kicks from your mini-me and the complicated choreography of trying to roll over while accommodating your bump and multiple pillows. Pregnancy and motherhood is tough. You need a tribe of women who know. That's how the Butterfly Maternity Pillow was born. Made by mums for mums-to-be. They have designed the wing-shaped pillow to allow you to sleep easier and stay asleep so you can enjoy your deepest, most blissful rest. Not only do these high-quality Australian-made butterfly wings provide support for your bump, they also support bub on the other side of pregnancy. The butterfly maternity pillow supports your back, helping maintain alignment in your hips and lower back to promote your comfiest sleep. Better yet, the Butterfly Maternity Pillow are proud supporters of the National Breast Cancer Foundation, donating $1 from every single sale. As physios working in pelvic health, we have some amazing feedback about these pillows from our preggy mamas. The Butterfly Maternity Pillow have a special offer for you today, ladies. Use Butterfly 10 for 10% off at checkout. So ladies, if you're pregnant, the Butterfly Maternity Pillow is a must-have. Absolutely. And did the anxiety stem from like a particular worry in the first trimester, like with maybe something like miscarriage or other stories that you do hear? Or where do you think that anxiety really came from? Miscarriage was a big one because I'd learned quite a lot about it, spoken to a lot of people who'd had them, um, you know, even on the kick pod, we've interviewed people who have had trouble getting pregnant and then, you know, experienced things like miscarriages and everything and I, and I was totally aware um even speaking to our um kick doctor that you know it's like one in four chance for women to have a miscarriage in the first trimester and I think I was trying to be really realistic with that and whilst I was so excited about being pregnant Josh and I both kept kind of like pulling ourselves back and like 
just trying to chill a little bit um, to not get too excited in case something happened. Um, and so I think you're always on edge when when you're doing that. And the other thing was there was just so many mixed messages online of what was like good and what wasn't good to do during mm. pregnancy. And mm. as I said, I didn't really tell, I ended up giving up and telling a whole bunch of friends around eight weeks um, over Zoom because I was like, this is just, I can't <laughs> not tell you. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, for a while I was just trying to figure it out by myself and that was really daunting. The mixed messages online make things um, not any easier for your pregnancy anxiety. <laughs> it's yeah, a scary place, absolutely. the online world. It's such, like, if anything's, like, controversial, it's, like, pregnancy and oh, yeah. advice you get. Like, it's <laughs> one yeah. extreme to the next. And then from an exercise perspective, in that first trimester, Steph, were you able to still keep exercising as per, like, your normal routine or did you have to change things? Yeah. So I was really lucky. Um, whilst I was really fatigued, I did still get bursts of energy and um, I was really lucky to not struggle much with um, morning sickness. So every now and again, I felt nauseous, but I was never actually sick. And I think because I had no idea what was in store for me, I wanted to make the most of feeling really good. And so while I could, I kept moving my body. Um, I definitely peeled it back. Like even without the advice, I just kind of felt like that was the better thing to do to not kind of smash myself in the gym. Um, and so like I started doing less kind of like hit workout. I definitely didn't go for another run. I don't know. I mean, running's not my thing anyway. If it was my thing, I'm, I would have been able to. And um, my doctor probably, probably would have said it was totally fine because it's all about, I learned that it's all about what your body's used to and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, I really peeled back that kind of side of exercise because even with strength training and anything else I was doing, I was noticing like how much quicker my heart rate was getting up and yeah, how out of breath I would get and um, even lightheaded at times and just really had to peel it back, do a lot more break time, sit down when I needed to. Um, so I was still exercising pretty regularly, particularly in that first trimester, um, but it was a little bit different to, I suppose, my normal routine. Um, and I just kept on trying to walk as much as I could. And that was the only way we could get out of the house at that time anyway. So I did, um, I did make the most of that. <laughs> Absolutely. And then when we talk about like your relationship with exercise, like how do you feel like even mentally you coped with that shift in terms of like how hard you could push yourself and having to listen to your body? It is different. Like, I mean, I was actually talking to Laura about this the other day because she said that um, she said something that. I, I think I hadn't really noticed about myself until she said it out loud. And then I was like, yeah, you're right. That, that kind of is me. But even prior to pregnancy, I love challenging myself and I love pushing myself in a workout, but I also have a really laid back attitude to exercise now. I, it's, it's kind of just, I just move my body to just move my body. It's not about getting my heart rate. I don't even watch my heart rate when I exercise. Um, you know, it's, it, it's not about all that for me. I just, want to move it so even if I just do yoga or do 10 minutes of stretching or go for a 2k walk like I'm not really fussed about uh, in that sort of side of the exercise um so I suppose when it came to pregnancy and you know it gets to a point where you're doing a workout and instead of like pushing for that extra rep or like grabbing that you know um extra weight and challenging yourself it was like okay peel it back step it back like you're starting to feel the challenge. This is when you might have used to kind of really push yourself for this last five minutes, but this time around, you're not going to do that. You're going <laughs> to chill out. Um, so that was a little bit different and hard to get used to. But at the same time, uh, I was pretty quick to accept it because 
it's yeah as I said for me it's just about moving my body I'm not really phased on like how hard I push it so um yeah it was funny when Laura said that to me the other day because she she's bringing it up because she she's someone who like loves challenging herself really really loves to push herself and like that challenge in her mindset is like she just loves it and um she's really worried about you know when it comes time to you know down the track when she gets pregnant and like exercising during pregnancy she's like oh that's gonna annoy me not being (laughs) not being able to like push myself and like having to peel it back because that's just something she thrives of so yeah it was just interesting Absolutely. It's such a shift and you're absolutely spot on. Like pregnancy is not the time to be yeah. you know, aiming for strength goals and cardio goals and really pushing yourself. It's really just about moving your body and maintaining whatever you currently have. Like it's mm. not about getting better. And then um, in terms of your exercise, like what is your current exercise routine at the moment? So currently I'm in my third trimester. Um, so it's definitely slowed down a lot. I am still trying to walk almost every day. I'm trying to do like a minimum of 20 kilometers a week this year. That's my goal. Um, obviously we'll see how I go when I've just had baby. I'll probably give myself a break then, but, um, that's basically, you know, averages out to about 30, um, sorry, three Ks a day. Um, and then if I miss a day, which I do, um, I'll just do a longer walk the next day or the next day um and I've been able to beat that every week so that's kind of keeping me moving and keeping me motivated um and then on top of my walks I've probably been doing about three keep it cleaner sessions a week um and they're generally either yoga or our strength master classes so I've really been loving yoga while I'm pregnant um I'm trying not to make too much of the most like because I'm getting more flexible and everyone said this would happen to me and like because of the (laughs) oh what's it called in your estrogen no, it's like something. The, yeah, the relax and everything's Rel- yes. relaxing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm relaxing. Like, yeah, that's a that's an old wives. That's the myth. Stuff. That's, that's, <laughs> that's myth. the myth. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, it's the estrogen. So relaxing right. peaks at like twelve weeks. Um, mm-hmm. So in the first trimester, and the estrogen keeps going up. So it's the estrogen. Well, there you go. Nice and floppy. There you go. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm definitely enjoying feeling a little bit more flexible, but I'm trying not to, you know, Amazing. make too much for the most of it and push myself. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I've really been loving yoga and um, keeping my strength up has been really important. I noticed in the second trimester I had a bit of a break from – I think it was even just like a week and a half off doing nothing. And um, I really started to feel like pains in my joints and um, in my back and everything. And I think it was because I'd lost a lot of muscle strength. And um, yeah, I just realized how much strength training and everything has been helping me with my posture and everything like that. So that kind of motivated me to stay more active. But yeah, as I said, it's like three sessions a week. And prior to being pregnant, um, I'd probably move my body five to six days a week. and push myself a little bit more. So it is definitely peeled back. And that's so good too, because I think, you know, exercise is so important in pregnancy, but if you can listen to your body, your body will tell you when it's enough, when enough is enough. You know, if you're getting aches and pains, your body is literally saying, can you just give me a rest? And so that's great that you've just taken on board what your body is telling you and then sort of going from there. But how did you find information? Like how to, like how do you exercise in pregnancy? Did you know where to look for information regarding the guidelines or did you seek professional advice? Yeah, so like I picked up a few books and I went online and read a few different apps and different opinions online and I realized there was too many different ones. Um, And (laughs) I only got to meet my obstetrician at eight weeks 
again because I waited till eight weeks to tell one of my best friends who's a nurse and she was like so have you picked your hospital and obstetrician and I was like no do you do that and she's like mm, yeah you should probably get onto that um and so I got onto that and I met her and um she's just been so amazing like I I'm so happy with her and she's anytime I'm feeling anxious or worried about something or read something online and I'm like, oh, my God, I did that. What, what's going to happen? She's um, <laughs> She kind of calms me down and, and is just really chill about a lot of things, to be honest, but, like, not in a way that, like, she doesn't right. care. Um, she just, I suppose, knows when to um, calm me down or, like, what things I really should be mindful of. But with exercise in particular, advice from her and other health professionals that I know, all, all of them said, look, Steph, you are used to – pushing your body, you know, almost six days a week, strength, hit, mixture of different exercises. Your body is used to that. Um, if you're feeling up to it and as long as your obstetrician is saying Bub's doing okay and, you know, your body's feeling fine, there's no reason why you can't keep going with what you're doing. And she kind of said to me, you know, for example, if you were a runner, um, you know, for example, someone like Laura, she runs all, like almost every day and loves it and her body loves it she shouldn't have unless she has complications in pregnancy and, and everything she shouldn't have too much trouble with continuing to run for a little while during her pregnancy because that's what her body is used to whereas the biggest piece of advice that i found was consistent through everyone that i spoke to as professionals but also online is don't pick up new things during pregnancy so like don't become a runner when you're pregnant um mm -hmm. don't like pick up like heavy weights and stuff when you've never really done any strength training or anything like that so I just kind of took that on board and, and she said, look, we, when it comes to actual movements, that changes for everyone as well. Like everyone's really different with the movements they can do. Um, obviously, there's a few that, you know, you should avoid like crunches and anything that shortens your torso. But um, other than that, it's kind of just listen to your body. If it doesn't feel right, doesn't feel comfortable, just stop and don't do it. If you start to feel lightheaded, sit down, drink water, maybe don't get back up um, and yeah, little things like that. So just being aware, basically. And I think because I'm someone who's so in tune with my body, I was able to um, pick up on those things really, really easily. So I think my advice to anyone would just be to try not to worry about all the mixed opinions online um, and to just speak to your trusted health professionals about it. Um, and, and, I, and definitely get a mixture of opinions. Like don't just go to your obstetrician about it. Um, I mean, I really trusted my obstetrician, but I also spoke to physios that I know and um, other PTs and everything that I know and all together, you know, kind of put their advice together. And a lot of it was along the same lines. So it made me feel really comfortable Absolutely. with doing it. Yeah. And that's the thing too. I think our guidelines are getting better year by year, but they're still very vague. They're still they're still kind of like you know do this, but just make sure you feel okay. You know what I mean? It's not like don't do this, don't do that, yeah. don't do squats, don't do lunges. You can still do all those things, but it's so individual. That's why getting your advice from your obstetrician, your physio, your GP, it's so important for an individual. You know evidence-based guideline of what you should be doing because everyone's so different aren't they you know it's just mm -hmm. it's, it can be so conflicting on online absolutely definitely and I think like the problem with like pregnancy is when you google it it's lots of blogs <laughs> and like people's like own experience and like what they've done like so when you're reading as like a patient or you've just found out you're pregnant it's really hard to even find things that are backed by evidence that are recommendations on things you should impl implement in your life I guess 100 percent yeah do you think that's been the most challenging part of pregnancy, Steph, is in terms of your exercise, is being toning it back or the conflicting advice? Or has there been something else in pregnancy that you've really struggled with? 
Um, actually, no, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the exercise. I feel like I got on top of that pretty, as in like the anxiety around it pretty quickly. Um, but it's more so just, I think because everyone watches me <laughs> mm. like a hawk and, you know, I'm very <laughs> open about everything. So I, it's, it's my own fault. I put everything up there to be judged. Um, but yeah, some people, I think some people, the way they come across it's it's really educational and it's really nice. And I learn a lot from making mistakes of sharing the wrong thing or I don't know. Um, but some people are also just very judgmental and, um, when it comes to things like my choice of drinking, uh, you know, dealkalized wine, um, on all this sort of stuff and, and people thinking that I'm promoting drinking wine or, you know, that there's a tiny percentage of alcohol in dealkalized wine. So it's still super dangerous and all that sort of stuff. It, I find it really, um, frustrating sometimes uh, that's hard to get used to, to hear a million opinions on something that you're doing when I have got the health advice and I have gone and done the right thing and I'm choosing to do this. I'm not telling everyone else this is how they need to be. Um, so that's a bit annoying and a bit hard, but I also know that that's just the nature of having an Instagram following like I do. And I know that it's probably only going to get worse when I become a mum. Because um, even with some of the products and stuff that I'm you know, either buying myself or receiving and, you know, getting really excited about setting up, there's issues with them, apparently. Mm, so it's course. like... <laughs> <They're>, um, everything, <laughs> there's always going to be someone that hates that product or doesn't yeah. like something you're doing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think, um, I mean, I've always been pretty good at, you know, uh, not blocking everyone out. As I said, some stuff that comes through is very educational and I really do appreciate it. Um, but when I can see that it's just coming from a, a judgmental place, I'm pretty good at, yeah, just kind of ignoring it. And then talking more about birth, how do you feel about it? Do you have a birth plan? Is there, like, have you done any courses to prepare? <laughs> uh, no. Um, <laughs> I, I am, I'm strangely excited for birth. Um, yeah, I'm like not scared at all. And I know that I'm going to, like, I know absolutely closer to the time I will start to feel anxious and nervous and, you know, all the things that I've learned um, that can happen will probably run through my mind and I won't just be excited anymore. But for now, I am just really, really excited about it and um, I'm pretty happy feeling that way. Um, my mum had a really beautiful experience with both myself and my brother, but I'm not just basing my experience, um, what I think I'm going to go through off her stories. Like I've heard a million horror stories or like, you know, really, <laughs> really, really long labors and complications and everything. And so I, I know realistically, you know, anything can happen. Um, so for me, I don't have a birth plan. My birth plan is basically to go in, try and do everything as natural as possible. Um, hopefully it can happen that way. If it can't, whatever's safest for myself and bub I'll be happy with um mm -hmm. yeah I, I'm not too I'm not too stressed from that department and I really trust my obstetrician um and she yeah she knows that that's kind of what I want so that's how I'm going into it <laughs> it's a good way to be mm. Absolutely. And I think because everyone wants to share their negative birth experience, but we um, interviewed a hypnobirthing specialist last mm. week and she was saying, don't like block out the negative, 
you know, stories because you only want to focus on the positive ones because if you're scared, mm. that's not going to be good for labor and things can start to go wrong. So you're in like a fantastic position in terms of preparing at the moment. So just yeah. keep it like that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm not going to not do birth class. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to do birthing classes. Um, I've gone down the private um, route and unfortunately right now because of COVID, all those classes are now just videos online which is kind of annoying, but um, it is what it is. And we actually have a few people, a few friends that are midwives. So I reckon after I do some of the videos and everything like that, I might even kind of (laughs) chat to them and try and get my own little class with them or something like that, because I just feel like um, definitely want to go in still positive and yeah, but uh, but I also want to know all the terms. I want to know what the hell they're talking about yeah, when, when things exactly. happen, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's so important. So if those terms are thrown around in labor, you know what they're talking about because I can only imagine like you're not going to be in a place to be learning new information no. while you're in labor. <laughs> no, exactly. And then I really loved when we interviewed our hypnobirthing um, guest last week, she was saying about preparing for birth. And I always said to patients, you know, I always ask what your birth plan is, mm. what your ideal situation is. And I usually advise, you know, the best plan is have a plan, but, you know, know that it may deviate. Um, Our hypnobirthing specialist, she was saying birth and labor is like a marathon. You kind of don't go to a marathon without doing any prep. So, and I really liked that, you know, saying that like, yes, be open-minded about it. But I think you need to, you know, I think doing your research is really important as well and knowing what the terms are. So you're not sort of caught off guard when you're in that high stressful environment. Yeah, absolutely. I did hear from um, quite a few people earlier on in the pregnancy when I did a Q&A, I'd said like, oh no, I haven't got any plan. It's whatever happens, happens. And they wrote to me and they were like, I went into my birth thinking the exact same thing. And because I was so chill about it, I you know, didn't learn a lot prior and um, made some decisions on the day that I later learned I probably didn't need to do and kind of regret. So um, mm. they were kind of like, it's great that you're going into it open-minded, but like, just keep that in mind and try and at least learn about the things that you think you wouldn't be comfortable with or, mm. you know, uh, the last resort sort of things so that you can actually feel comfortable to say no because, yeah, yeah. so that's great. Absolutely. <laughs> and because I suppose if you don't do the, the research and you don't learn, like you don't really know what you don't know. So you don't know what can happen and what things can go wrong or what instruments they may yeah. want to use, etc. And then, so you're extremely busy, Steph. So you have three businesses, don't you? What is the the plan with like your maternity leave? Are you going to continue to run those in the background? Are you going to step away for a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, what takes up most of my time is keep a cleaner. Like that's my, my day-to-day um, baby. And then, <laughs> well. Uh, <laughs> Not baby. for long. I know. <laughs> um, and then... Um, Soda, yeah, it's it. I'm I'm not. I don't work on soda every single day, and we have an incredible team that that churns that out and, and does amazing. Um, so my requirements around that are, are pretty chill. And then when it comes to modelling, because of COVID, that slowed right down anyway. So when it comes to keep a cleaner, um, obviously my business partner and my entire team are well aware that I'm pregnant, and um. We, I, I spoke to Laura about it. We're just going to see how it goes. I think when you run your own business um, and it comes to maternity leave, it's hard to really make a plan around it. Like I know that I'm definitely going to want to take as much time to soak it all in and, um, you know, really just be here and be there for Bob and everything and enjoy that time. 
Um, but at the same time, I've been working at home from March last year. We all have been, our whole entire team. So we are used to that kind of flexibility of, you know, jumping on Zoom if you need to take a call or whatever. And then um, other than that, I feel like I'll be able to absolutely step back. Um, and Laura is really comfortable with me, which is awesome. I love having her as a business partner, mm-hmm. but very comfortable with me kind of making that decision when it happens uh, as to how much I'm ste- stepping back and um, how much I am going to be available. But I just want to play it by ear. I just want to see how it goes because um, we're also really fortunate that Josh is also really flexible and that he'll be here the entire time. So um, I know a lot of women, unfortunately, um, you know, their partners have to go back to work really quickly and um, they might not have any family or friend around to help. But we're kind of in the opposite position where we're both going to be here um, every day, all day for uh, for the early parts at least. And then, you know, we have friends and family who are so keen <laughs> to be here. Yeah, of course. Um, it's the first grandchild on both sides of the family. Oh, so, um, <laughs> yeah, so I think, I, I, yeah, realistically, like I'll definitely have a bit of a break, but I have no idea how big it's going to be or how removed from everything I will be. Um, my day-to-day tasks obviously won't be the same, um, but I'll still want to stay up to date with everything just because I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. I, I just love Keep It Cleaner and I love being a part of it so much that I, um, even with this incredible you know, bundle of joy that I'm so excited and will probably take up all of my love, I will still want to be in the loop and I'll still want to know everything going on and I'm just lucky that my best friend is my business partner so it'll be pretty easy to stay up to date (laughs) yeah and you'll make it work and you'll cross that bridge when you get there but Steph what's been your favorite part of pregnancy so far oh I don't know I it's funny I think getting to feel him move um is really really special and I think I'm I'm gonna miss that but it's quite funny I um just the last week or so his movements are getting so strong and I'm feeling a little bit nauseous, which apparently is quite normal in the third trimester and everything. That now when he moves a lot, it's almost like my stomach is flipping. So whilst it's one of the best things, because I just, every time it happens, I'm like, oh my God, he's doing it again. I don't know how I'm still surprised by it. Um, but at the same time, it's starting to get a little bit uncomfortable. Like he's found my ribs, um, which is never fun when he is up there. Um, and he's keeping me up at night and he's um yeah tossing and turning quite a bit so it literally feels like my stomach is flipping which can be quite nauseating but um it's all part of it and I just I'm so grateful um to be pregnant and I don't know I'm just going along for the ride with everything and I'm, I'm just really grateful that I've had a really good experience as well because I know not everyone does yeah, and such a surreal feeling, feeling bub moving, right? It's very weird. It's very... Yeah. <laughs> I try and explain it to a friend and I'm like, there's no other way of explaining it other than there's something inside you. Like, yeah. It, yeah. It, it is what it is. It's exactly what it sounds like is what it feels like. Yeah. What, what advice, Steph, would you give to someone who is about to fall pregnant or is pregnant right now? Um, just to <laughs> try your best not to Google things. Um. <laughs> And just to try and get your advice from, yeah, professionals that you trust. but And, and just talk to lots of different mums that you know of, um, regardless of whether they, you know, have a baby now or they had a baby 10 years ago or whatever. Um, everyone still remembers that time when they were pregnant or things that they went through. Um, and I found that it's really quite comforting talking to other mums because 
like I can see why mothers groups and things like that become so important in a lot of women's lives because I feel like I'm, you know, I'm one of my only close friends who've been pregnant. Um, there's, yeah, I've got one best mate, but she lives in New Zealand who's had a baby. Um, so I've gone to her quite a lot. And then, you know, some older friends of mine or friends maybe not as close as some of my best mates. And so I've, I've found that quite bonding, being able to talk to them about everything I'm going through and just hearing all the different experiences really makes you feel like there's not just one way to do it and there's not they're they're all so accepting and like I mean I'm sure there's women out there who are incredibly like no the way I did it is the way everyone needs to do it and um (laughs) you know quite one way or the highway but um in my experience the more people you talk to um the more comfortable you feel with just making your own decisions and um just understanding that everyone's experience and everyone's baby and everything is so different um yeah so really leaning on those people Absolutely. I really like that because there is, like you said, so much conflicting information that you're better off just gathering as much as you can and then just putting it all together and be like, okay, what do I want to do based on this information? (laughs) And so to wrap it up, Sarah has some final (laughs) questions for you um, just to finish up today. Yeah, perfect. So, Steph, we have three questions for you and then we just want to know the first thing that comes into your mind. So question number one, where is the next place you would love to travel to? Um, I don't know if it'll be the next place, but because we hadn't gone on our honeymoon, um, we'd definitely love to get Italy um, like we planned. That'd be great. (laughs) And then do you have a mantra that you live by? Uh, um, A quote that I love is one by Dr. Seuss, and it's be who you are and say how you feel. I always mess this up (laughs) because those (laughs) who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. (laughs) I like that. That's nice. And I think you've really portrayed that quote through your social media. I really like even hearing that. You really have, Steph. So kudos to you. Thanks. (laughs) Um, Question number three, last question. So if you have 24 hours left on the earth, what would you do? Uh, I would surround myself by as many friends and family as I could. Um, I'd probably go up to the Murray, um, and spend the day up there and that's pretty much it. I don't know. Just enjoy myself (laughs) as much as I can. I love that. And so many people that we've spoken to, I think like COVID's made everyone, um, just realize that it's the little things that matter the most and everyone has answers literally like that. It's beautiful. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Steph, for joining us today. We really appreciate your time and hearing about your journey. So thank you. Oh, thanks, guys. And good luck with your pregnancy. We'll definitely be following along and we can't wait to see your little one on social media and see your journey into motherhood. Oh, thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to learn more, please head over to our Instagram page at listenupladies.podcast. We would also really appreciate it if you could hit the subscribe button so our podcast is more accessible to women all over.